so basically what i do is i directly go to the history when that concept was born for example uh, for example if we take calculus uh, in in school we had calculus and my teacher just said me uh, that d by dx of x square is equal to 2x i said uh, okay where did that come from mm. and he wasn't able to explain it and uh, so I digged deeper, not in school. Unfortunately, I failed a lot of times in, time in mathematics in my school and Very in college. True. I asked question that where did derivative uh, came from? And then I saw that, okay, Newton uh, invented calculus. Then I thought about, okay, why Newton invented calculus? What was the problem he was stuck in, uh, which calculus solved for him? And then I dug deeper and saw that, okay, the linear equations they were getting complicated for him and to solve that problem he created the solution uh, that is calculus today i interviewed kuval i think this is one of my favorite interviews because i grew up reading about the rest of the world looking at maps plain civilization and i really fell in love with the stimulation that comes from learning about a culture that's completely different than yours, but also has gone through the last 200 years of globalization and has started to adopt other practices from other cultures. And to get this synchronization or synthesization from many different cultures altogether. And so when I interviewed Kuval, he was sitting in Gujarat um, at 8.30 p.m. and I was sitting in San Francisco at 8 a.m. and we were having a conversation about first principles, about Newton, um, about India, and it just kind of came together that this is exactly what I love doing, figuring out what is globalization, what is this thing that we've entered upon over the past 150 years. A lot of people think it's bad, a lot of people think it's good, but what is it? Beyond the labels, what is globalization and what is the result? Where are we going? And I really like how this interview brings that out. Uh, not to mention that Kuval is incredibly intelligent and not only intelligent, but able to um, break things down and make them accessible to other people. That's the really the, the key that he has going for him. Uh, so I really hope that you enjoy this interview. Please find me at Twitter at Stuart Alsop III and let me know what you think. Uh, I want to hear your, your feedback. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear how you think that I can become a better interviewer. Um, and yeah, and I, I hope you enjoy this interview and, and please uh, let me know what you think. Um, thanks. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest here is Kunal. Uh, Kunal is a self-described normal brown guy from India. Uh, and I found him on, uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's been posting a lot on Twitter. And it's really interesting because um, you've basically just shot up through over, over the last like month or two. You've just gone from like uh, had not too many followers to quite a few followers. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, and first of all, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Sure. <laughs> um so yeah it's really i'm i love your tweets they they're they're they kind of elicit some really important principles of 
how to win at the internet, basically. That's what, that's what I'm getting from you. Um, and so one of the tweets that you talked about, so let's get, let's, t- let's talk about first principles because you talk a lot about first principles. What are, what is your definition or how do you use first principles in your life? Yeah, uh, first principles, uh, I, I got this concept uh, from Elon Musk. Uh, I, uh, I read about the, uh, the first principles in the Reddit AMA that Elon Musk did. And uh, from that, I, I, go, I literally got obs- ob- obsessed with it. And I found that I was already thinking uh, in those lines of uh, finding first principles uh, in the concepts that I'm learning and the concepts that I'm thinking about. So basically what I do is I directly go to the history when that concept was born. For example, uh, for example, if we take calculus, uh, in, in school we had calculus and my teacher just said to me uh, that d by dx of x squared is equal to 2x. I said, uh, okay, where did that come from? Mm. And he wasn't able to explain it. And uh, so... I digged deeper, not in school. Unfortunately, I failed a lot of times in in mathematics in my school and in college. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, after my college, I got interested in it. And uh, I saw, I I asked question that, where did derivative uh, came from? And then I saw that, okay, Newton uh, invented calculus. Then I thought about, okay, why Newton invented calculus? What was the problem he was stuck in? Uh, which calculus solved for him. And then I dug deeper and saw that, okay, the linear equations were getting complicated for him. And to solve that problem, he created the solution uh, that is calculus. So I started applying this very same thing to all the principles that I learned. And this, this approach has helped me to see the first principles behind the concepts. What is the most recent first principle that you've been grappling with? Recently, uh, it is uh, marketing uh, because uh, uh, since uh, I'm writing a book and um, marketing was one of the concepts that's covered in the book. And uh, so I, recently I have dug deeper into the first principles of marketing. Mm. And um, I can, uh, uh, for example, in marketing, if uh, we read, a no- if, if you uh, read about marketing from a normal blog post or a, uh, a normal book, you will you'd get constrained by uh, the author, by the mentality of the author, uh, or, uh, by which he expresses his knowledge of marketing. And uh, those will form limits uh, in your knowledge too, in, inside your head too. So uh, instead of doing that, I asked myself uh, questions that, okay, what, what is the core of marketing? So I got into uh, the two basic questions that were forming the core of the marketing. Well, the first one is uh, who will find value from my product or whatever I'm offering and where they are hanging out. This is basically marketing. Like you mm-hmm. find answer to these two questions, then you just have to approach them. Mm-hmm. So this was, uh, this is uh, something I recently dug into the and, first principle. And so I guess now, now that you explain that, now I see that in your tweets, um, and so, who are who are you who are you who are you serving as in, in the words of Seth Godin, or who who is finding value from from your book? From my book, uh, yeah. from my book, uh, uh, ideally, my book should be uh, the approach that I have taken in the book should be uh, taught in schools, mm. 
but uh, unfortunately a lot of people are also stuck in their jobs right now that they don't like and uh, i think these both are the uh, the, mar- the sections of the market that will uh, find a lot of benefit from the book very interesting and that's going to be a huge, huge market because uh, as you talk about the the landscape of the career um the career landscape is about to change rapidly with the the rise of the internet. Like, um, can you talk more about your ideas on that? How how the career landscape is about to change drastically? Yeah, exactly. I think the uh, change has already happened. It's just not uh, propagated a lot uh, among uh, the people. So uh, before uh, before internet, for example, I would take uh, the example of my own dad. Like, he's very uh, interested in the food industry. So he likes. Uh, to uh, make new, cook new foods. And uh, he's also in the bakery line right now. He, he's not a lot of, uh, he, he didn't uh, go to high school and stuff. So what he had to do was in his time, he had to find a mentor, uh, like uh, someone who was already in the bakery line, who was uh, creating uh, uh, cakes and uh, toast on those products. And he learned from them. And then he had to search for companies, factories, uh, and bakeries around him that he can physically approach to. So this was pre-internet. Now, for example, uh, if you are interested in cooking, if you are interested in bakery, uh, you are interested in baking cakes and all, then you can simply go to uh, YouTube and learn about it from, from your crowd. And you can also send resumes to people across the world and uh, show them that this is the skill you have learned. This wasn't possible uh, before internet. Mm. So internet created the two most important things for building career, uh, learning skills and market. Like mm. these, are, these two are the essential you need to build a career on and internet has opened both of these. That's really interesting because it goes back to a tweet that Naval talks about, Naval Ravikant, which is um, that it's not, the, it's not learning that's the hard part, it's the desire to learn that's the hard part. Uh, yeah, or totally. it's the desire to learn. That's that's the important part. So where does your where does your desire to learn come from? Why are you so interested in learning? My parents didn't kill it. <laughs> How did they not kill it? <laughs> like uh, most of the, uh, almost with all my friends, I see that uh, the parents uh, always forced them to uh, score good in uh, schools. Like I don't know uh, what's the scenario over there, but in India, it's uh, a lot of pressure from parents to score good in schools and uh, either become a doctor or an engineer. Like th- this kind of pressure th- literally kills interests of people. Like mm. I was lucky that uh, I got parents who never forced me to uh, score good in uh, schools or never forced me to get a job. Mm. And, and uh, Go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was also lucky that I got uh, interested in uh, programming uh, very early on. So yeah, mm. these two were the two luck factors that uh, I'm afraid I can't teach anyone. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out how to teach curiosity in people. Like that would be a superpower. Like if mm. I could make people curious, uh, that would be amazing. But I haven't. Have you, have you have you gone? Have you tried to go into the first principles of curiosity? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, that might be an interesting way to go. But that would get into, I guess, evolution and uh, evolutionary psychology and other things, um, yeah, and a lot of things probably. that we don't really have. That's kind of subjective and not really. Um, there's not probably a lot of evidence for about about how we evolved to become curious and what what are the important uh, parts of curiosity. Um, 
So you talked about your parents not loving, not killing your desire to learn, but also the school system in my case was a huge, huge uh, obstacle in the way of learning. Um, did you ever experience that? And I know in India, the school system is, is very um, kind of uh, regimented towards testing. Um, did that ever come into it for you, the school system? What was your relationship like with the school system in India? Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> Like, uh, there are a lot of boundaries, like uh, you have to study these specific subjects. You cannot study uh, a subject of, uh, uh, of another standard, like you are in 11th, you can't study uh, a subject of 12th and these kind of things. I still remember when uh, I, we had a curriculum, we had C++ in our curriculum in school. And um, I was constantly just playing on the PC, uh, creating circles of various different colors. Mm. And my teacher always uh, scolded me for that. Like, hey, don't do that. It's, it's not in syllabus. Stick to the syllabus. So yeah, uh, school, school and college, they, they do get in there. Yeah. And how did you protect yourself from that? Uh, as I said, I got lucky with, with my parents. Like yeah. they didn't force me to uh, score good, so I I didn't have to worry that whatever teachers said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm just going through your tweets right now, and I want to pick up one that's really good. Um, So yeah, let's go back to this because so the tweet we were talking about before, which was uh, pre-internet, the limited places to learn a skill from, limited places to sell your skill, post-internet, unlimited places to learn from, unlimited places to sell. sell. Yeah. The entire landscape of careers changed. Most people haven't realized that this yet. Uh, so is your book going to help people? Uh, is, is, is your book going to help people re realize this and capitalize on it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why uh, I, I'm not focusing on uh, uh, teaching people to sell physical goods or uh, teaching people to build m uh, multi-people businesses. Like mm. these two are not the topic of the book. Uh, mm. I'm solely teaching people to uh, how to find their passions uh, and uh, how to package that passion in a way that people would pay for, pay them to do that activity and uh, how to market that passion online. Like, all these are online. Okay, so let's 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 do it for me. Are, are you are are you uh, are you interested in, in going into my passions and seeing how we can? Uh... <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> okay, uh, so so this is the problem with me. I have a lot of different passions, and I've so I've I've ADD, and I switch between them all the time. So my main oh. my main passion is is body work and massage therapy, um, and that's the main way that I'm making money right now too. Um, but, and I have all these ideas for online stuff, but they never work for massage. Like massage and body therapy are only a one-on-one -on -one kind of, uh, or mostly, I'm sure there are kind of outlier things around the whole body work thing, but most of it is, is a one-on-one -on -one in-person type of thing. I teach yoga online, so I, I teach yoga through Zoom, through the, through the software we're using. I, I, I um, do one-on-one -on -one private sessions to basically uh, show somebody how to move in a way that's effective for their bodies. So that I can do online and that I'm trying to figure out as well. Um, but knowing what I just tell, told you, what would you suggest to package that into, into, a, into, a, into a thing that I can sell on, online? Yeah, uh, you said that you are uh, taking one-on-one -on -one sessions on yoga. Uh, mm. did, did you try uh, creating an ebook uh, or a video course? Uh... Uh, 
video calls? No, I haven't. I, so I've only done one-on-one -on -one sessions before. I'm still trying to figure out whether it would work to do a group session, to do a one-to-many group session um, uh, uh, with yoga. But are you talking about eBooks or other things that course, are like- uh, video course. Yeah, I should, I should try to do that. Um, so a video course on online yoga. Um, on yoga, on, on, on solving a specific problem that uh, uh, your clients are facing. Like, mm, uh, like, for example, you have to uh, have a USP, like uh, there are a lot of yoga teachers online. There are a lot of uh, courses on yoga online, but what, uh, what is a specific angle that you can take that others mm. are not taking? For example, when I was uh, writing programming tutorials, like a lot of people write programming tutorials, but I created the programming tutorials in a way that they were fun and engaging. For example, to teach Batman, uh, to teach HTML, I wrote a letter from Batman to Superman. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah, so you have to have that uh, single twist in uh, approach that you are taking. Mm -hmm. it, the twist can be in uh, creating your product or the twist can be in marketing your product. You have to find one twist in at least one of these two things. And so what I've been thinking is that I want to teach other yoga teachers how to teach online because that's the one thing that they're not doing. Um, oh, yoga yoga right. teachers, yeah. So how would I then market that? Yeah, uh, to to market as as I said, you the two uh, basic questions you must be asking to market: one, uh, who is finding value uh, from your offer, and two, where are they hanging out? Mm -hmm. Like uh, the first thing, uh, who is finding value as uh, the yoga teachers? Mm -hmm. Probably they are already selling their uh, services offline. Mm. You want to take them online. Mm -hmm. So where are the places they hang out? They most probably hang out in the Facebook groups of local local yoga uh, mm -hmm. Facebook groups. Yep. They they might they probably also hang out on Reddit forums of yoga. Uh, so on Facebook groups, you can contact the Facebook group admin and say them that hey, this is my course I have written. Uh, uh, let's uh, I'll give you fifty percent mm -hmm. of all the profit that I make from your spe your specific link. And uh, on Reddit, for example, they they have this uh, advertising platform. Uh, the, in that advertising platform, you can uh, select the specific uh, Reddit group that you want to display your ad on. So you can display your ads on that specific yoga teaching Reddit groups. Mm -hmm. That's really so good. Yeah, the two basic questions. Uh huh. Um... That's really, where did you find that piece of the 50% off? Like, cause I remember that that was the first tweet that I read of yours was, was um, uh, the way to monetize your passion is create an online video about your passion, find the thought leader in that, in that, in that area, and then give them 50% of the profits. Did you come up with that your idea or did you find it from someone else? Yeah, I, I was just writing the book and it come up there. With <laughs> it came to I you. Was, right? When I was thinking about this uh, first principles of marketing, it came up in mind that partnership is the best uh, type of marketing you can do. Mm -hmm. And have you started to partner with other people to, with the book or are you? Uh, are you... No, once the book is released, I'll approach people. Mm -hmm. Like I have a list of people I'll approach, but uh, I'll approach them after it is released. And so with your book right now, I usually talk to people on the show about the, the difficulty of creating something or the obstacles that they find when they're creating something. What is the biggest obstacle that you're finding in your own life towards writing this book? Uh, procrastination. 
<laughs> uh, I, I'm a big time procrastinator. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, uh, and I'm lucky that I uh, I found this difficulty because uh, I'm also covering how I solved this, this difficulty in the book. So I, I literally got content for my book from my own problem. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about, about how you're solving your procrastination? Or do you want to- yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I think the most, uh, most of the time you, we procrastinate because of the presence of a distraction. And mostly that distraction is very easy to get indulged in. For example, uh, if uh, I'm not working, I, I might pick up my phone and start scrolling Twitter. So it is so easy to pick up the phone and start scrolling Twitter. And it is so difficult to write a content. So obviously, my, our mind will go in that direction. So I started uh, uninstalling apps from my phone. And that really worked well. And this was the first, uh, the, the first uh, measure I take, uh, took to remove procrastination from my uh, day-to-day life so that I can write more on the book. Mm. And uh, there are a lot of uh, other things also. I, I, I also tweeted about uh, uh, the different uh, layers of procrastination. Procrastination, we, we generally think that procrastination is just pure laziness. It's, it isn't. Like uh, pure laziness is at the core of the procrastination, but it also comes uh, with a lot of layers on it. Like, and the topmost layer is distraction, of course. And there are other layers like uh, when your skill level is not matching your expectation level, then uh, there, there are like uh, self-doubt, then uh, there are fears, fears of uh, not being able to complete the thing that you are starting. All these things also create procrastination. So I, I'm so thankful that I, I am a big time procrastinator that I literally got in touch with all these minor details of procrastination. Mm. And it seems like a, a big overarching thing of what you're saying is also one of the best ways to work through issues and problems that you're facing is awareness of the of your entire being as it goes through those problems. So you notice that, oh, I'm, 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 I've got a fear about you know, working on this thing. That's why I'm going to check the Twitter. And then if you look at that fear, instead of looking at the problem of like, checking Twitter, you look at the fear underlying everything, that seems to be the most effective way. And it, it, and it gets into like, so when you mentioned, um, when you mentioned that uh, procrastination was an issue, um, an issue for you, uh, and then you said that you removed all the apps from your phone, I've tried that many times. And the problem I, f- I see with fixes like that is that you're not really getting at the root of the problem you're kind of playing games with yourself and any 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 time that i find myself playing games with myself ultimately it never works like the real the the real way to kind of transcend that that issue is to really find the root the the root cause of it and for me the only way to do that is to ask questions um which you seem to be really good at doing you've you've you you got the two principles of marketing down to two questions. So what is, what is the importance of questions for you and how do you use questions in your life? Questions, uh, I would agree with uh, uh, Kapil Gupta uh, on uh, questions. I think he did uh, a recent interview on your, your podcast and he said like, uh, like your questions literally give direction to your life. Mm. And I do agree with him totally. Yeah, and mm. that's totally true. Mm. What kind of questions you ask, uh, you will generally get get uh, the answer in that frame of your questions. 
Mm. And th- those answers will eventually direct you in your life. Mm. So yeah, your questions do direct your life. Mm. What is the biggest framework that you find yourself that it's either the biggest obstacle towards you succeeding with this book or succeeding with something else? Or what is the biggest framework that is the biggest uh, um, uh, strength that you have? Either uh, one of them. I think this one also will resonate with uh, uh, Kapil Gupta, looking mm. for the truth. Like, mm. I do, uh, I, I, for example, right now you said uh, how uh, removing apps from your phone uh, is just a hack. Mm. And I totally do agree with it. Like, mm. like I started uh, to remove distractions from my life like that. But then I came to the understanding that how dangerous distraction is. Mm. Like it, it literally dissolved in my blood that distraction is literally stealing away life from, stealing away time from my life. And now I, I do have Twitter on my phone and I, I don't indulge in it. Like mm. once you get to that root cause and uh, you totally dissolve it in your blood, mm. then it, you don't need those eggs. And mm. yeah, so I think that framework really helps in life. And I don't know this also that how to uh, cultivate this uh, framework in someone else, how to help someone mm. else cultivate mm. this. framework. Mm. I think Kapil is doing that and good work with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and he says, he said, said it himself that, that it's that you can, cultivate sincerity and you can help somebody cultivate sincerity in another person, but that seed of sincerity needs to already be there. And he says that in his belief, most, most people don't have it. Um, and most, most people won't have it and it's impossible to teach really. I believe okay. that's what he said in the first, in the first time I interviewed him. Um, cause it's something that I'm, I'm very interested in as well as whether you can transmit it. Um, He seems to be of the of the of, uh, that you can cultivate it within yourself, uh, and that if you see it in someone else, you can help cultivate it. But as as he's shown in his in his in his in his Twitter uh, in his uh, behavior on Twitter, he just like as soon as somebody says somebody something random or something that's not really sincere, he just you know blocks them on Twitter. So so yeah, um, yeah he's quite famous as uh, uh, the passive aggressive monk. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's great so um growing up in india you, wh- how old are you i'm 27 27 so you were born in 1990 92 what? 93 91 91 yeah. 91 um and so you've seen india so when was the first time that you used the internet oh mm, i was in school uh i was browsing a website of nasa like and I was searching what what are the qualifications required there. And I remember ah. my teacher came and slapped me very hard for that. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Why? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so you first used the internet. How old were you? Like six years old? Seven years old? No, I, I didn't uh, got in touch with internet that early. Uh, mm. It would be around 14. 14 around. 14. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so I was late in the party. Uh-huh. Um, so in the early two thousands and, and how is it in India? Do most people access their, the internet through their phone or through the computer? From their phone. Yeah. From their A lot phone. of people can't afford the computer and laptops here. Mm. And how, what is the biggest change that you've seen in India over the last uh, 10 years from the internet specifically? 
either domestically or how India fits into the into the rest of the world? Uh, yeah, India is uh, slowly starting to adapt uh, purchasing things from internet. I would say uh -huh. that that was a big a big uh, hurdle that uh, people were facing uh, because uh, for the internet to work in any country, like you have to have a commerce setup on that where people are comfortable buying things from internet. And now people are getting comfortable with it. So that's mm -hmm. a big change. Are you selling things in India? Are you going to sell things in India as well? Uh, I'll put it uh, put the book on Gumroad. Right now I do uh, sell services, but uh, I don't uh, take clients from India. I take clients mm -hmm. mostly from US, UK and Australia. Mm -hmm. And is that because of the payments issue, because of this trust issue? Uh, no, that's just because uh, arbitrage, like oh, yeah, dollars, yeah, yeah. 72 rupees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get more money from, from people across the in US. Yeah. That's interesting. I said you, I'm a big, big time procrastinator. Less, less, <laughs> more outcome. Yeah. Okay. So, what, what's, what is the importance of laziness uh, to cre the creative process? A lot. Uh, I think laziness helps a lot in, especially in creative processes. Like, uh, I, th I, I think that stress kills the creativity. Creativity needs uh, space and time to grow, uh, and, and it's, it's obvious because. Uh, uh, obvious for me, of course, it could be different for others, but I, I do get uh, a lot of uh, good ideas uh, for whether for a book, for business, for whatever it is. Uh, I get good ideas when I'm taking a walk or uh, when I'm taking uh, shit, like mm -hmm. seriously, <laughs> or shower. Uh, like those are the times when I get the craziest ideas and the the best ideas I can have. Mm. And I do think that uh, relaxation is a very important part of uh, creative work. And how do you relax? Uh, as I said, uh, I, I do take very long walks. Uh, mm. I absolutely love watching sunset and sunrises mm. and I take good long walks. Mm. And you are in Gujarat. Are you in uh, what, what, what city in Gujarat? Uh, that's a very small city. I, I don't think I can say that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have any parks nearby or anything like that? Or do you spend time in nature? Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a little far from my home are uh, farms, so I can get a good walk there. Very cool. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And so, what is the biggest like? What's your biggest goal for the next five years, basically? Next five years, I have plans for three books. Uh, first one uh, is uh, almost complete. Uh, second will be on mathematics, as I said, uh, the mm -hmm. first principles of mathematics. I would. Uh, Mathematics is a very beautiful subject, but it is taught totally, totally like in worst way possible in schools. Mm -hmm. So I want to write a book on mathematics too, uh, teaching mathematics from first principles. And the third book, were, uh, I think uh, it would be a children's storybook. Very cool. <laughs> uh, along the same theme of trying to uh, impart first principle thinking? Uh, in what? Are, are you going to try in that children's book? Are you trying to import uh, part? Okay. Uh, no, that, that has different reasons uh, for that uh, children's book. Uh, I think, uh, for example, uh, my parents are religi do have religious background. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they taught me morals and all those things by telling me stories, uh, religious stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how other countries also bring up their children uh, by telling uh, basically mythology. Like, by mm. telling the religious stories and how to 
teach them between the difference between good and bad. Mm. But as the society is slowly becoming more, uh, getting, getting more away from religions, we do need a new set of stories uh, to inculcate the good values and uh, and next generation of children. Like we cannot show them Rick and Morty to differentiate between good and bad. Mm. We have to create some new stories. Mm. Rick and Morty are really good stories, but uh, did you, have you seen Rick and Morty yep. cartoon? Yep. Yeah, so that's great. The, the stories and all are very good. That uh, rational factor is very good. Uh, but you have to have a good moral foundation already. Mm. Like if you are starting from scratch and you show that thing to someone, then uh, there's very high probability the person will go in the wrong direction. Mm. So we do need a new set of stories. So that's why I'll, I have this in my mind to create a so this gets. This gets into something really interesting that I've been thinking about, which is in for the last hundred hundred years in the United States, we had radio and radio was also in India, I'm sure. And then, and then radio was a one to many media form where you get one person talking to many people and you, you can impact a large amount of people with one voice. And usually the people with that one voice had the power. Um, so they usually already had the power and then they were able to transmit their, their moral ideas and, and what they had grown up with. And in the U.S., it was Protestant ideas in India. Um, there's a lot of different stuff, I'm sure, but Hindu was the dominant one, right? And, and then, um, it, then we had TV in the 1950s, which further increased that, that pattern of one person, one power group sending out their message and creating uh, and everybody... Uh, believing that message and forming their cultural opinions based on that method message. Uh, and it was like millions of people in America would watch one television show. So every Tuesday evening at 8 PM, you would have like 50 million people out of a country of 250 million, 200 million at that time, uh, all watching this one TV show, getting this, this, these moral um, downloads as you're talking about. And now what we're looking for or what is happening is now we're moving into the internet and it's a complete decentralization no very few one-to-many sources and even if it is a one-to-many sources like the Seth Godin talks about it in his book the tv show Mad Men which was a cultural um a cultural like a very important cultural time for the United States watching this tv show Mad Men only one percent of the United States ever saw, saw that show so the vast majority of people never saw that show and and so as, as we get into this more decentralized world where people have their own little subcultures and don't really go outside of those subcultures and maybe they inhabit, you know, 20 different subcultures. Um, but there is no overarching framework under which that transmission of morals can happen. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, that that does make sense. Uh, like it, it, it uh, started from, uh, broadcasting one to many and now we are at many to many like we now individual creators are also getting into the market and they're also getting good exposure mm. so yeah the uh, the the transmutation of uh, morals has changed the entire framework has changed now yeah mm. And I guess before what, because the morals that you're talking about the moral those are like are you Hindu right are you Hindu or yeah, but I don't like to identify myself. With Sorry, yeah, no, yeah, no, and I don't. I only want to get to the historical, historical um, kind of implications of of that 
for most of that time, for the last thousand years, most of those ideas and morals were transferred, transferred through books. Um, yeah. And, and it was that it, before the radio, I guess it was a, it was an almost a, it was a one to many, but it was a power structure based on the church. So in the, in the United States, it was based on the church where you had the church, uh, the Pope or, or in the face in the, in the Catholic world, it was the Pope in the Protestant world. I don't know who, who it would have been, I guess it may be the church of England or something like that. And then it would change. And so those one to many sources were like the, the religious power, the, uh, that, said that they got these ideas from God and then put them in books and then taught from those books. So, so that's really interesting. And then all of a sudden radio came and almost increased that. Cause if you think about it, it is like the TV for the American culture, the TV became a sacred place. Like you sat down in the living room every night and the whole family watched, watched the TV and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting, and, and and so I'm really interested to where where this is going. This transmission of morals that 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 you're talking about with this book, um, what what it looks like in 20, 30 years. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, so let's go to. I know you talk a lot about a uh, hustle culture, and uh, your what are your thoughts on hustle culture? Uh, I'm a big uh, anti-hustle proponent. I, I, I hate hustle culture. I used to follow these people uh, who used to shout, uh, like, uh, grind, your, grind yourself to success and uh, put your head down and work for, work for a decade. Uh, I, I used to follow these people uh, and uh, uh, I did get in a very bad place because of these uh, advices. And because, mm-hmm. as, as I say, like, I am a procrastinator. I am a lazy person. Mm. And, uh, but whenever I saw these kind of videos, I thought that there is something missing in me. Like there's something wrong with me. Uh, but thank, uh, thankfully, uh, Naval Ravikant uh, Naval, uh, is one of the people who, who say that, uh, who's, uh, who promote this uh, thing on internet that uh, everyone has a unique skill set. Everyone is unique and they should embrace what they are instead of, trying to become what someone else is. Mm-hmm. So uh, in those times, uh, Naval's tweets and uh, his content from YouTube really helped me. Else uh, it, it would have taken me in, in very, very bad directions. Like there are pages on my diary mm-hmm. that uh, I would never like to read. Like uh, I, I've literally written things like uh, uh, if I'm, I keep on procrastinating. If uh, if uh, I can't do hard work like uh, all these other people, mm-hmm. then what, what's the meaning of life? Then then why should I live? Like mm-hmm. if uh, I just procrastinate all my life, then why should I live? Mm-hmm. I I was getting these kind of thoughts uh, because of these hustle culture people, and I I was following them because they also get, did give some good business advices. Uh, I don't know how come uh, this is an incident uh, coincidence like. Uh, uh, they they are also very good business people. Uh, they are trying to build their own businesses and these uh, and do share their business stuff. Mm. But they also share this uh, nonsensical stuff like you have to grind all your twenties, and that uh, you have to sacrifice your uh, your all the uh, your uh, early life to live a good uh, later life. Like, that's stupid. Why why would you do that? Mm. Uh, I I can see that see these things now, but uh, earlier I wasn't able to. Like, 
it's again that moral the moral transmission these guys have a set of morals they have a religion that they they believe in and they're they're trying to sell their religion to everybody else because their whole framework is based on it they they their um their success is built off of off of this idea that they have to grind it out and so if somebody else gr it reaches success without grinding out then that means that they not might not be as right as they think they are and that brings down their whole ego basically um that, that was just me kind of uh reacting off of what, what you said but um but it, it, it's it's really interesting because um all of us have a framework that we're operating under on and a lot of people identify with the framework and that's what i really like what you said is i don't want to identify as religion because because it, it like all of us are identifying with these 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 things that we call ourselves and if we identify fully with that and say that that is the only thing that i am i'm not these other things then that means we are building up this like castle with these foundations of these character developments and stuff like that but what if uh, and then something comes along and 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 destroys that that foundation then we're left with nothing and people are really afraid of of that of that of that nothingness and the lack of um a lack of feeling like they are an individual um yeah yeah that does make sense and moreover uh, the people in hustle culture they 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 not only uh, show that uh, this uh, hard work is the reason of their success but the problem is they are showing the wrong thing like hard work is not their reason of success for example uh, i won't pay in, take name of anyone but most of people in this hustle culture as i said uh, they are building their own businesses right but there is one more thing in common they they are they were also pretty bad in their school mm. that they scored very bad in school like why did they uh, score bad in school if you ask this question they they say that uh, because i hated i hated studies i didn't like it so it's so obvious like of course he hated it so he didn't hustle in it he likes building business so he's hustling in it like if when you are hate you hate something and try to hustle in it it's an uphill battle and you will eventually break down but if you like something then hustling comes uh, naturally it's downhill stuff mm -hmm. so yep. they are i'm not saying their intentions are wrong but they themselves are not getting at this thing mm -hmm. that they are hustling in it because they love to do it and mm -hmm. instead of promoting the love they are promoting the side effect that hustle hustle is a side effect mm. love is the core of their success how do you promote love <laughs> without how do you promote love without uh without uh, uh promoting the side effect of love yeah that's very boring that's why people don't do it for example if someone asks me like what's your secret of uh, twitter growth i would clearly say that was just luck Mm. it's such a boring answer it's it's so easy to say like for example i used to tweet uh, from uh, around 2016 i used to tweet regularly it's so easy to uh, make up stuff like and say to the people that i used to tweet from 2016 i tweeted every day no matter if people like it or not i tweeted every day and mm. eventually luck favored me like it is so sexy to say this thing but it uh, is so unsexy to say that yeah naval just one day liked 11 of my tweets and i got fired that's so unfair <laughs> so this is the problem this is why people don't promote that uh, yeah i love that thing that's how hard work comes naturally that's so unsexy to say 
instead yeah. of that you can say like oh i worked my uh, all my 20s i worked a day and night i didn't take saturday and sundays off that's so mm. sexy to say so mm. this uh, this leads to a very skewed perspective uh, that's really interesting well cool so we got about 5 minutes left um what are you reading right now right now uh, i do not read books or oh. any specific thing uh, I, i just read articles and uh, uh, when i'm uh, trying to uh, when i'm researching something i generally read book summaries online like i, I do not read book I, i feel like there is a lot of uh, filler content in book mm. and so what what is the most interesting article that you've or or book summary that you've come across in the last uh, couple of days i don't also remember the articles titles and <laughs> books those are information that don't help me so yeah. don't <laughs> is there one um idea that you've you've had that's really stuck out for the last like so i guess in the past 3 or 4 days what is what has been on your mind in terms of what you're creating i mean we've already kind of talked about it a lot like hustle culture and all these other things but is there any any anything you kind of want to leave the audience with anything uh, truth like please always uh, try to look at the truth and truth is almost never visible on the crust you have to dig deeper and how would you su- suggest that they start getting comfortable with the truth or finding the truth uh journaling and the meditation mindfulness meditation specifically cool okay well thank you so much how can people find you to find out more about what you're doing uh they can follow me on twitter at crazy polymath mm. where did you get that name uh out of friend i'm like I- i'm definitely not a polymath polymath <laughs> is uh, someone who contributes to a lot of uh, fields not someone who has interest in a lot of fields uh-huh. so don't think that i am a polymath i'm not and uh, i just uh, love that word and i love the uh, symbol pi that's why i keep it everywhere cool well thank you so much this has been really cool i i really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and and um, i hope people find value in in what what you're talking about yeah thanks to it it was great talking to you cool Thanks for tuning into the show. If you liked it, please go ahead and find us on iTunes or Spotify and hit the subscribe button. I'll publish each episode by Monday morning before your commute, so make sure to check in then. And this is a reminder to just own your crazy because the challenges that this world will be facing over the next 100 years will require us to think way outside the box. As Hunter S. Thompson said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you.